Okay, we are in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And we are continuing to, to read from, uh, uh, we're going to look again starting at verse 28. We covered a lot of this last time. Uh, in verse 27, we mentioned how God said, He used this word created, this uh, uh, this special word created. He used it three times in the context of people in verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So there can be no mistake, they were created by God. The only other two times he used that is is the first verse of Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then when he created the land animals, he used that word again. But he used it three times here. Now in verse 28, it says, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. It's a little bit different. When God said, it says, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. If you look in verse 22, he said something similar, but differently to the animals. And in fact, he just proclaimed it rather than said it directly to them. It says, God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. This is in verse 22. This is for the land animals. He says, God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. He made the proclamation. So remember, they have no choice in this. When God says, be fruitful and multiply, heaven and earth will move in order for God's word to be fulfilled. It will happen. In verse 28, it doesn't say, and God blessed them, saying. It says, God blessed them, and God said to them, You see the difference to the animals, he says, and God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. When it came to people, it says, God blessed them and God said to them. Now God is speaking to people. For the animals, he's just proclaiming it. To the people, he blessed them and he directly spoke to them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. You see the oneness that he has with people the relationship that he has with human beings, which is different than the relationship that he has with merely animals. It is a oneness. It is a closeness. It is a union that we can enjoy, especially as we come into a knowledge of Jesus Christ, his son, when we accept what the free gift of God that he's given to us in Jesus Christ. The reason that many believers do not receive this closeness of relationship has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with the individual. Will the individual open themselves up to a depth of relationship with God? It's not God's difficulty if there's a lack of communication. It's our difficulty if there's a lack of communication. God has done everything to open up that door. He says, be fruitful fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It is a command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. If in marriage you are unable to have children, that is up to God. But if God should grant you the ability to have children, you should have children. You should. Because God said, be fruitful and multiply. 
and fill the earth. It is a command. It is a command. Now, human beings, remember, resisted that command at the Tower of Babel, where they refused to fill the earth. And God said, my word is going to be fulfilled. And so he did some other things to upset them, to to make them disperse. God fulfills it because his word says it, it has to be. You should have children in obedience to God. And what happens, I have seen couples that are able to have children but do not have children often never understand what it means to walk selflessly. Because children will take you away from yourself. you got to get up in the middle of the night all the time for kids. I mean, kids have this habit of waking up in the middle of the night and coming, have to go to the bathroom, I have to do that, you know, is it time to get up? And, and, and they, they'll, they'll wake you up all the time. And your life just changes because of children. And, and it doesn't get done when they move out and go to college. Just, just it happens differently. And, and uh, uh, still, but what it does is it makes you less selfish, and that's a good thing. And what it does for society, the things that it, it helps in society. What I want to challenge you with is to listen to a teaching that I have on my website under the personal topics tab, under the audio messages series. There is a series called Scriptural Sexual Ethics. It is a six-part series. You listen to that starting at part one, then you go to part two, and you work your way through it in that order because if you go just randomly, it'll make no sense. But I want you to listen to that. It's like 30, 30 minutes per section, something like that. But that's very important, particularly at your age. And, and uh, uh, if you're not married... And if you're just get moving into marriage, it is very good and to give you a framework with what the scriptures have to say about this sort of thing. The scriptural sexual ethics. I want you to listen to that, okay? Um, uh, so yeah, big rough assignment, I know. You just plug the things in your ear and you walk around and you listen, all right? Just do it, okay? Um, he, says, <clears throat> he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Remember when we spoke in Genesis chapter 1, the earlier part of this chapter, we talked about how it says in Ezekiel, God made the earth perfect, beautiful. And then we, but we read in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 that it was formless and void. And how there is some theological theory that 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 was the period in which Satan fell because we read how, how Satan was thrown down. We read about that in Ezekiel and some verses out of Isaiah as well. And how in that period, that voidness period, then God is now reconstructing the earth, starting in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, that the earth may have been Satan's dominion prior to it becoming now human's dominion. And to tell them, Go ahead and subdue the earth. That is sort of like, in your face, Satan. I'm giving now the authority to these human beings, these creatures that are much lower than you are in their physical abilities than you are. And now I'm giving the the authority to them. 
That may that 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 may be some 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 truth in that. That's certainly some some theological theories. And he tells them to rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So they were to subdue it and have dominion over the animals. And then he gives them. A, so this is called the Edenic covenant. That during this period of of, of the Garden of Eden, which we're going to see in in chapter two, this is the Edenic covenant, the first covenant with humankind. This is the first covenant where he gives them a specific command and there's blessing in that command. There's eight covenants. This is the first of eight covenants. This occurred and it's called the Edenic covenant. Then he says to them in verse 29, then God said, behold, I've given every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. So he has given them, he says here in verse 29, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which has fruit. So he's given them the plants and he's given them the fruit to eat. So he gave them a vegetarian diet. And I know people in their extremes see this and they like, hey, God intended for us to be vegetarians. That's just great. You want to be a vegetarian, you can be a vegetarian, but that's for you. We have to be very careful that we don't pick something up and say that's for everybody because later on he changes that. You know, in fact, he tells them to eat the Passover lamb. He tells them to eat it and they were to eat it and anyone that didn't eat it was going to be in big trouble. So he changes things as you go along. But what happens to human beings, we get this idea in our mind and we read one verse and we're just going to change and we want everybody else to change with us. Just remember, if you want to change yourself, that is fine. If you want to be a vegetarian, that's fine. Nothing wrong with it. And if you want to be a vegetarian based on this verse and only eat green plants and fruit with seed in it, fine. That's up to you. But don't put that upon other people because that's when it comes into legalism. I eat low gluten or gluten-free, not because I, it, I, I have celiac disease, but it just helps me to maintain my weight because all the junk that comes at me at work is cookies and brownies and pizza. And just if you, if you eat gluten-free, you don't partake of all of this. But I don't put that upon you at all. You can eat all the gluten you want. I mean, only eat gluten if you want. That's up to you. But here, in this time, in the book of Genesis, the first diet was clearly vegetarian. Maybe he, he you know, that was important because he didn't want them uh, uh, eating the animals, which he had just made. You know? <laughs> he would start killing them and eating them. He, just, he had to allow them to get fruitful and multiply. This actually also excludes cannibalism. There was no instruction before this. So how do they know? They don't know. This is the first instruction. He says, just eat the plants. And then he says, and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth, which shall have life, I have given every plant for food. And it was so. So the beasts as well weren't to eat other animals. He wanted them to eat plants. Now, did he exclude it that they couldn't eat animals, that the beasts themselves couldn't eat animals? They could only eat, they could only eat uh, 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 trees and uh, the plants and, 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 and things like that. Is, is that what this means? I don't know. And the reason I say this is because uh, some, some argue that, that uh, um, 
Some argue that there was no death until the fall. In other words, it, it, was, it was after the fall that there was death. And, and uh, prior to that, there was no death. No death occurred prior to the fall of man. And, and if you turn to Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse, tw- Romans chapter 5, verse 12, It says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, he's talking about Adam's sin, which we're going to see in chapter 2, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So on the basis of this verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death, through sin, and so death spread to all men. So some people, on the basis of what's written in Genesis chapter 1, and on the basis of what's written in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, they will say there there was no death occurred, there was no death of animals prior to the fall of man. And I'm not, remember, I'm not here to change you. You can have whatever view you want. Other people read that same verse, In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and it says, And death spread to all men. Death spread to all men. It doesn't say death spread to all men and all animals. The assumption being that it was already, already animals were dying prior to the fall of man. And you could read it either way. I have never had as much email about my posting this portion in the book of Genesis chapter 1 as I have had in the postings of, of, of this, this the, as, as I've had from this chapter. I've posted lo- all my messages for years. But now everybody's got a different view on Genesis chapter 1, so I'm trying to show you the diversity of views here, and I don't want to change anybody. But it says death came to all men. Let me show you the problems that people have when they, when, when, when some people suggest that no death of any animals occurred prior to the fall of man. That would mean that as soon as man fell and death entered the world, that all of a sudden lions went from eating only plants to now eating other animals. They went from being uh, uh, having a vegetarian diet. They went from being... Uh, uh, um, uh, they, they, they became all of a sudden carnivores just at the fall. All right? Just at the fall, they became carnivores. What you would have to happen, what, what may have to happen is they have a, now a whole different tooth structure to eat animals versus plants, right? So lions don't have teeth that, that eat plants very well. They have these teeth, this tooth structure that is made for ripping flesh. So you have to then sit, think about that and say, did they all of a sudden at the fall of man evolve? A different tooth structure? Or did God change their tooth structure? But people have done calculations on the amount of calories that big cats have to eat in order to survive. And it shows how big cats like lions and tigers would have to have been eating constantly all day. 24 hours a day to be able to consume the calories that they need to survive based on their body structure. Because you can get so many more calories by eating flesh of other animals 
then lions don't have to be eating all day. You know, they can sit in the sun for a while and then they go out and they shred some animals and eat them and then they can sit in the sun for a while. So you see why others don't believe that there was no death prior to the fall. There was just no death of man prior to the fall because it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, death came to all men. Do you see what I mean? There's two different views on this. Whatever view you have, you want to have, you keep. But remember the problem then is if there was no death. Now, was there no death period? Well, the animal, the, the plants were certainly dying. They say, yeah, but plants were dying, but there was no death of, of, of flesh bearing animals. So, so in other words, an elephant never stepped on a, on a roach. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I mean, elephants kind of walk around and, 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 and a, a, a little mouse never got stepped on by some other larger animal. I mean, maybe so, maybe so, but we don't know. But what I'm saying is this is why people have two different views. Some people believe one way, some people believe another, and I don't think it particularly matters. Now, there's other people who really think it matters. They think you're a heretic if you don't believe exactly like they believe. Okay, well, remember, we looked at the verses in the Gospels, and we looked at the verses in, in Romans, which clearly say that salvation is based on our confession as Jesus Christ is Lord and the belief in his resurrection from the dead doesn't say it's based on our interpretation of Genesis chapter 1. All right? So, clearly people were, were, were only eating, only eating uh, um, plants for food. Verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So God looks at the totality of this all, and he says it was very good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And so you, so you see that, that uh, um, all of a sudden now we, we completed the sixth day. And what's different about this is if you look in verse 31, it says the sixth day, the sixth day. The definite article is there. All the other days were like a fourth day. Look at the end of verse 19, a fourth day. Now this is the sixth day. So in other words, this is like a culmination. All the work of God's creation creating new species, is done. He's done. Now, for those people that believe that these are not 24-hour days, these are long periods, they often say that we are still in the seventh day, in a period that God is not creating new species. Although, what we know from the last few years of, of, uh, uh, of, of plant biology is that, is that uh, uh, remember, plants can form new species. You say, well, you know, no, new species aren't formed. No, remember, plants can form new species. Sometimes they spontaneously, for unexplained reasons, will double their DNA, and then all of a sudden they're a new species. This happens. Okay, in, in, in chapter 2, verse 1. In chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, go very much with chapter 1 in the sense that now we're covering the seventh day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. By the seventh, by the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. 
So, God is resting. Now, this word resting is a verb. God rested, but it's not speaking in the, in the context of, boy, God is, is, is really wiped out here. You know, he really, really needed a break. No, he's not wiped out. The word there is Shabbat. It means rested, which was, does not mean recuperating from tiredness, but it means to, com- to have completed, or there is a cessation. So God stops from this creative work because it says in chapter 2, verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. So in six days, God created the heavens and the earth. All right, the seventh day is a, is, is a day of cessation from, from, from that, that, creation, that creative work. It's not until the book of Exodus under the law that that goes from being a verb to being a noun that Shabbat is a particular day, a particular day of the week. So if you say, there, right there, God rested on the seventh day, therefore we should all rest on the seventh day, fine, you can rest on the seventh day. That's up to you. Did you know of the Ten Commandments, all of those Ten Commandments are also embodied in New Testament commandments, except for one, and that is the Sabbath rest. Now, you can say Sunday is our day of Sabbath rest. Well, then you're in violation of the law of Moses. You violate the law of Moses if you take Sunday as your day of rest. Because by the law of Moses, it was always to be the seventh day, not the first day of the week, but the seventh day of the week. From Friday sundown to Saturday sundown is the Sabbath. Always has been, always will be. And so if you say, well, you know, you you violated it, you, you worked on Sunday. I rest on Sunday. I'm really good. But you worked on Sunday. You're, you're a Sabbath violator. No, you violated the Sabbath. The Sabbath day has always been Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. That is the Sabbath day. It is always the seventh day of the week. So, for example, a, a uh, Seventh-day Adventist will always observe the Sabbath day on Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. And Orthodox Jews will always observe the Sabbath. You say, well, I take my Sabbath day on Sunday. Well, that's fine. It's not the Sabbath day. You are resting on the first day of the week. And the first day of the week is, is referred to as, in, in most of the time in Scripture, the first day of the week is referred to as the first day of the week. In, J- in John chapter 20, verse 1, it talks about the first day of the week. In John chapter 20, verse 19, it says the first day of the week. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, the first day of the week. That's how it was referred to. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, it calls the first day of the week the Lord's Day. But it never calls the first day of the week the Sabbath day. So if you want to get technical and you feel you're really right because you observe the Sabbath day and you don't work at all on Sundays and shame on all these people that work on Sundays, you're in violation. Because the Sabbath day is Friday sundown to Saturday Sunday. It's not Saturday all day. It is Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. That is the Sabbath day. But it is not based on this verse in the book of Genesis that people are to observe the Sabbath day. Some people say, well, God observed the Sabbath day even before the law, so it's a dictate before the law, so we are bound by it. No. Here in Genesis, he never says, therefore, all people shall observe the Sabbath day. Never. He just says, it happens to be. He took a rest. So on the sixth day, he created human beings. So should we be creating human beings on the sixth day? You know, we're to do whatever God does, right? Yeah. So 
This is the day that, that, that he rested. He rested, he ceased from doing this creative work. And the reason I underscore this is because so often people can get caught up in all this legalism. Now, I think it's a great thing to have a day of rest a week. It's a great pattern to be in. And, and uh, since, since I'm a Messianic Jew, but I worship with, 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 with Christians on Sunday, I, I, I refrain from work on Sundays. And, and so even though I worked six days, and even to this day I work six days, I'm always in my office on Saturdays. And when my kids were little, I would go to their soccer game, go back to my office, and go to the basketball game, go back to my office. And I, that was something I just did. So I worked six days. And I would take Sunday off and, and then, and then, uh, um, and I would be with my family in the afternoons. But Sunday is hardly a day of rest in my home. So Shireen is usually cooking for a lot of people on Sundays. In fact, Sundays is her hardest day of work. And, uh, uh, Sundays is not a very restful day for me for at least the first eight hours of the day with, with all the things that I have to do. But it is a day that I refrain from my normal work. In, in that normal sense. But that is a personal choice. It's not because I'm under the law. And God has given us a pattern. So I want you to relax. I don't want you to have to be under the law. And in fact, in Colossians chapter 2, so if you turn to Colossians chapter 2, you will see a portion where, where Paul addresses this specifically. And remember that uh, um, uh, Colossians chapter 2 verse 16 it is in the epistles that we have the instruction on how we are to live. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which were a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. He said that was before. So when people say to you, you shouldn't eat meat, Show them that verse. No one is to be your, your judge with respect to food. If you just want to eat, you know, uh, um, like, like bacon and, and French fries and fried foods only for the rest of your life, that's fine. Spiritually, it will do nothing. You will die young because of hardened arteries. So it's not the wisest thing to do, but it's not, it's not spiritually something that, 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 that's bad for you. And you say... Well, you know, the Bible says that, that whatever you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Fine. You, you want to apply that verse? Apply that verse all over. Don't have any cake. Don't have any ice cream. I mean, none of that is good for you, you know. So, um, he says, no one be judged to you with regard to a Sabbath day. What I'm preaching to you is freedom in Christ. The freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. So, some people will often quote this, this, uh, this passage after, out of Hebrews chapter 4. So turn to Hebrews chapter 4. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. This is a powerful verse. The word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith. The, the NIV puts it this way. It says, For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. 
But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. When you don't couple the word of God with faith, it's of no value to you. The word of God must be coupled with faith. And so in this portion in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, he's saying, look, whatever we do, we're going to have to couple it with faith. That means that I make a conscious effort to believe God. When the Word of God says it, I make a conscious effort to believe it. Because the Word of God in itself will not impact. It will be of no value to me. It has great value because it's the Word of God, but it will be of no value to me if I don't couple it with faith. And then he says for verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 4, For we who have believed enter that rest just as he had said, as I swore in my wrath, they will never enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. He again fixes a certain day, today saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. There is a rest for the people of God. This rest for the people of God that he is talking about is the rest that comes by the knowledge of Jesus Christ and coming into the salvation. He says those who heard it, it was no, of no good to them, of no use to them. He's speaking to the Jewish people. The Jews heard it, but the rest of God was of no value to them. You say, well, I thought the Jews observed the Sabbath day. Many of them do. In fact, most of them do. If they're Orthodox Jews, they absolutely do observe the Sabbath day. You go to Jerusalem today, everything stops. Everybody's busy on Friday morning before sundown getting everything ready. You get Friday and Saturday off, getting all the food ready and preparing because you're not going to be cooking once the sun goes down and, and you rest. You, you, you get together and, and, and you're together with your family and uh, uh, you, you often go to uh, the synagogue on, on Friday and uh, you'll be together with your family Friday evening. Everything stops. Very few cars are going. It's just, it's just Gentiles driving around. I mean, there, there's no Orthodox Jews. There's very little traffic. The trains stop running. And uh, everybody's resting. And it's a beautiful thing. You see all the different uh, 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 homes, all the different apartments, and families are in there. You hear them gathering and singing. It's a beautiful thing. It's just, but they're not entering the rest unless they have Jesus Christ. Unless they have Christ. What he's speaking about is a depth that comes much greater than just a Sabbath day rest. He's speaking the rest that comes that has to be coupled with faith. Or else we're in disobedience. He fixes a day saying through today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This is what I challenge you with today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Jesus Christ has given himself for you. In 1 John 3.23, this is His commandment. This is His commandment that we believe on the name of His Son, Jesus. It's His commandment that we believe on the name of His Son. Acts chapter 16. The jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You and your household. Believe this day. Don't let this day go by without believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You don't know if you're going to be alive tomorrow. None of us knows that. None of us knows. Do not harden your hearts. Open yourself to Jesus Christ. This word is of no value to you unless you couple it with faith. Unless there is faith there that I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything comes back to Christ. In Christ, he opens, us, opens up the door for us to partake of what the true Sabbath is. Not the Sabbath that came under the law, but the Sabbath that comes by the rest of being in Jesus Christ. My soul can rest now. The rest that comes by being in Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. He brings us right back to this in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God ceased from his work and he rested. He says, I have a rest for you. I have a cessation where you can stop worrying about the future. I have this for you. It is in Jesus Christ. If you hear his voice today, open up your heart. This is not something that you let to go by. We will preach Christ and him crucified forever because that is the only way. It is the only way to God. And it is his command. It's not just... You know, this is a good suggestion. I hope you believe. It's his command. It says, this is his command, that you believe on the name of his son, Jesus. It's a command. Believe it. Believe it. You say, well, you know, I, I got to think about this for a while. I say, don't think about it. Just obey. I was just in France. I just was, got back from France. I was in France all week. And I was sitting at dinner with a scientist in France and, and, uh, uh, we got to talking. I said, I'm a Messianic Jew. And I gave him, I, I, I told him how I accepted the Lord. And he was looking and he, he's, he's a geneticist. And he says, you know, I understand what a conversion experience does for a human being genetically. Epigenetics, the DNA level starts to change. I understand what happens to a man when he starts proclaiming that he's an atheist. What happens at the DNA level, the epigenetics that start to change as a result of that. He said, I wish that I could have a conversion experience. I said, easy! You can have that right now! And I brought him through the verses. I said, you can do it right now! He says, says, this is a big decision. I said, yeah, it's a big decision. Do it now! (laughs) He says, I have to think about it. I said, you've not been called to think about it. You've been called to obey. Do it now! So he did it. (laughs) This is what it's all about. It's obedience. It's not reason. Let me figure this thing out. He doesn't say, come and think about this. Come, consider this. Think about what's going to happen at the DNA level. He never said that. He said, obey. Obey. We are commanded to obey. Obey the command. Receive the Lord today. This is life. Receive it today. I'm going to pray. While I pray, I'm going to pray that the Lord comes in to hearts. If you don't know the Lord, pray that prayer today. And then come and see me afterward. And we're going to have lunch. Stay for lunch. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. And Lord, I pray this day 
for these young people here who do not know you, if they have never said, Lord Jesus, come into my life, Lord, I pray that they would pray with me now and repeat after me and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me because I am a sinner. Forgive me and come into my life. Cover me by the blood of Jesus and forgive me, O Lord, in Jesus' name. And Father, for those here that are struggling, getting tossed about to and fro, thinking they have to be on a certain diet to please God or take a certain day to please God, Father, I pray that you give them freedom in Christ. Father, that as Paul said, don't let anybody be your judge concerning a Sabbath day or foods. Father, I pray your blessing to be upon them. Your blessing be upon them, O Lord, that they could be free in Christ. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word, how you demonstrated to Adam and Eve that you spoke directly to them the oneness of relationship. Father, I pray that believers would take hold of that oneness of relationship and learn to, learn to hear you through the word of God. Father, please get hold of these young people's lives at this age. Father, that it could set the pattern of their lives in a way that they would choose the right spouse and walk in the right way. The grace of God be upon them, I pray. Your grace rest upon them. And Lord, I commit this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.